Waterfall, the CCW podcast. Hello and welcome to Waterfall. It's the Water Savings Podcast brought to you by CCW. That's the Consumer Council for Water. We are all about water. We are indeed. And how you can value it, use it more responsibly and um, by doing so, reduce your bills, not only water bills, but energy bills and do your bit to help combat climate change. Fantastic. So I'm Mike. I'm Karen. And we've got a great episode for you today. It is called Know Your Rights. I feel the urge. It's like thump the table. <laughs> know Your Rights. Um, I'm breaking our equipment here. I'm doing that. But uh, yeah, Know Your Rights. And I think it's one of these things that people don't really know that they have rights. You know, when it comes to the war and sewage services, they have rights. Know your rights. So uh, I just think that's so important. And it actually fits in with the theme we were talking about a few weeks back when um, we were talking about the um, relationship that people have with the water company, that you're going to be much more inclined to do your bit to save water if you have a high opinion of your water company and you think that they've got your back. And actually knowing your rights is part of that because if a water company looks after you well, if things go wrong, then it's not rocket science. That's going to build goodwill between a, a person and their company and increase their motivation to do their part to help save water in the home. Before we get into the detail of this episode, though, Mike, um, you, you were watching something the other day on YouTube that you um, uh, said you wanted to sort of raise with us. So um, perhaps you'd like to uh, well, talk a little bit about Karen, this is instantly making me nervous that you're prying into my YouTube history. I thought I deleted that from my uh, from my phone, but um, but yeah, there was there was something that was actually really really interesting that um, that you can find that the BBC did, which was asking the question whether it was cheaper to join a gym just so you can shower there than paying the cost of showering at home. Now they did their sums, and actually, this is how sad I am, Karen. I checked that their sums were right. <laughs> So they were. They I were. Expect nothing less. By uh, the way. <laughs> lots of rigor going into this, um, but but what they were saying was, if you have an eight-minute shower, that's roughly fourteen pounds a month, and that figure is about correct because it obviously varies a little bit from company to company because water charges vary a bit from company to company. So uh, so eight-minute showers uh, every day that comes to roughly fourteen pounds a month um, for your water charges and of course your energy charges associated with heating the water. But gyms typically charge 40, 40 pounds a month, four zero, not 14. Um, so therefore, it's quite clearly it's more sensible not to just join a gym to go for a shower. <laughs> it was worth uh, you know, just doing it at home. But the fact they were asking the question, I thought was really good because it means that people are actually beginning to ask, you know, what is this costing me? What is that, you know, the things I'm doing in the home that involve water and energy? What are they costing me? So I think it was great they were asking that, that, that question. There are, there is a slightly different take on that as well, because if you were already a member of the gym, then clearly, why don't you share it at the gym and save that money from sharing at home? Uh, but that's a, a different question altogether. So, you know, I, I run into work occasionally and I will shower at work. That's great. It's one less shower at home. So that's really good. I suppose what it does show is um, the importance of just giving you all to use that little bit of time to think about it. Because I think, you know, one of the problems that, you know, most of us have is, you know, we live, lead busy lives and we actually kind of use water in a very sort of unconscious way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we're not asking ourselves a question about actually the, what is this activity costing me? And I suppose this is where it can all add up and all those little activities that you don't think anything about can all add up and suddenly equal quite a lot of money. 
Right, so before we get into to the meat of today's show, and I'm excited because we got one of my favourite guests back on. I think Steve Grebby is now, you know, possibly in relegation territory. Uh, Super Janine is coming back on. Um, we've got uh, an email address so you can get in touch with Waterfall if you want to give us our, any feedback, you've got any questions, you've got any suggestions for future guests. Yeah, so we have an email address. We do indeed, and that is podcast at ccwater.org.uk. We also have an Instagram feed, uh, and that is Waterfall Podcast. Uh, took us ages to think of that. <laughs> uh, so if you're into that, you can have a look, check us all out, and there's a, some other water savings stuff on there too. What would you like Waterfall to cover next? Send your water saving topics to podcast at ccwater.org.uk. But it's that time. Without any more nonsense from us, let's bring on the guest. It's a big waterfall. Welcome back to Super Janine Shackleton. So you've added Super now. Hi, Janine. Hello. Guess who's back? Back again. Guess who's back? <laughs> wow. This is a, a positively buoyant Janine. Wow. This is that. Your, your mouth's more perky than when we were last time. What, what has happened? <laughs> well, the weather's a little warmer and, you know, hearing all the exciting news about um, the water saving and a really good fact around the, is it cheaper to go to the gym or is it cheaper to shower at home? So, yeah, always exciting to hear ways in which we can help people save water, save money and just know more about what they deserve and what the rights are. Janine, I mean, the thing that I'm always being asked um, is that, you know, we, we don't get to choose who provides our water and wastewater services to our homes. You know, it, it, it's down to whoever actually operates in the area that you live. People sort of say, well, you know, how on earth do I know if I'm getting a good service because I've got nothing else to compare it to? Um, you know, what, what is it that people can reasonably expect from their water provider? It's a really good question. And I think, you know, as a customer, what you should expect is accurate bills from your company. You should expect to get value for money. Um, so they're keeping their end of what they say they're going to be investing the money from your bills in. So making sure that your supply is safe. Um, a safe and reliable supply of water, of course, is essential. Um, it goes without saying, an efficient wastewater system too. Um, and also that it's easy to contact your company um, if you want any further info and for them to sort out problems if things go wrong. Yeah, because I think you hit the nail on the head there, really, because, you, you know, this is something that you don't tend to think about unless... Um, you know, something goes wrong or you're unhappy with the way that your water company has dealt with an issue or, or a problem mm. that you've had. What What is it? Um, you know, is there anything that kind of, you know, um, uh, sets out what the uh, water company should be doing in those sorts of situations? Yeah, so there's a scheme called Guaranteed Standards of Service. So as it said, these are the minimum expectations that we have of companies in terms of what they need to deliver. Um, and it also sets out, which is really important that people know, the automatic compensation levels that you should be getting um, if this doesn't happen. So if they fail to deliver your basic levels of service, there's something there that would guarantee you a minimum level of compensation. So uh, I have had a ongoing argument with a, uh, a colleague about whether you should call it compensation or not. I mean, you, you've called it compensation there, and I completely understand why, why you have, because it kind of easy to understand concept but um, my colleague that was arguing with me was very quick to say 
in the Water Act. It is not compensation. It is a payment in lieu of service that you should have received. Is that is that is that technically right, or is that person just being a complete geek? <laughs> it is technically right. I think you know it's in order to acknowledge that the company have failed to deliver that service. Um, but I think that most listeners would find it hard to repeat those words every time, and that compensation is more relatable. So no, I, I, yeah. I agree. Compensation is a much more relatable term. Um, but you know, it's one of these things that. Um, <sighs> There's a payment if things go wrong to say sorry, essentially, I suppose. Um, although it's not a goodwill payment, is it? No. You, you, you explained that it was sort of setting a minimum standard as such. So companies can go further then. You know, it, it, it doesn't prevent them from being um, setting themselves more challenging targets or maybe offering to, to make bigger payments. Yeah, absolutely. And this is what we've seen lots of companies do. Um, you know, the guaranteed standards of service has been around for quite some time. Companies have improved on the promises um, that they're making to customers in terms of improving their service. And they want to make sure that they're held to account for doing so. So many have opted to offer a higher rate of compensation than the minimums that are set out there. And, and so what, what sort of things does it cover? So <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing because everyone listening will be like, just tell me the money. Just go straight. <laughs> Stop this chat about whether it's called compensation or Guaranteed standards. Just tell me what money I'm going to get if things go wrong. Cut to the oh, chase, Ginny. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll go through a few examples. So, you know, quite a lot of us have worked from home for different reasons over the past few years. And I'm sure you will acknowledge that nothing is more annoying than when you are sat at home waiting for an appointment and it isn't kept. And they just don't turn up and you've been expecting them. So in the guaranteed standards, um, there's a couple of payments that are made. So the water companies need to notify you when they come in and advise you of a specific two-hour time slot. And they also need to turn up when they say they will. And if they don't, they need to pay you £20. So, you know, that acknowledges a lot of those frustrations and hopefully encourages companies to um, tell you when they're coming, give you a time slot and also turn up when they say they will. Um, another example is bills. So if you don't think your bill is accurate um, and you write to query that the bill's correct, they've got to send you a substantive reply that answers your concerns in 10 working days. And if they don't, again, they pay you £20. Um, likewise, if you're writing to us to make a payment arrangement change and the company can't meet this and they've got to reply in five working days, if they don't, £20 again. So they might seem like small amounts, but actually it's reflective of the cost of the water bill, but also of the impact on you. So um, if you have a problem and you need to complain, um, the company needs to get back to you in 10 working days with a full reply. And if they don't, that's another £20 too. So they're more of the <clears throat> when the service goes wrong. Um, you've also got elements that you start to look at, which as you said, Mike, you know, tell me what the money's going to be. So an example of where um, you may get a higher payment, so sewer flooding. You know, it's very distressing if somebody gets sewer flooding that's entered into their home. Um, and if that happens, the company must pay you the equivalent of your annual sewage charge. And if that's less than £150, they need to pay you £150, that's the minimum. So it will always be if the sewage has entered your home, and um, £150 or more. Um, if it enters your garden and it affects the use of your garden or entering into your home again, the company's got to pay you the equivalent of 50% of your sewage charge. So you start to see some, you know, 
significant amounts of money um, as the impact impact gets more. So on that point, on, mm. on, on sewage, if, if someone's listening to this and isn't familiar with any of this, mm. I suspect a reaction and an understandable reaction is, hold on, you've just said that if sewage gets in my home, mm-hmm. which is pretty disgusting, yeah. horrible, horrible thing to happen, all I'm getting back is my sewage bill. But what about my favourite stuff that's just wrecked from all this sewage that's come out? Yeah, so there is the obviously the insurance route in terms of where customers can turn to with that. Um, and the water companies, again, will look at um, if a customer wants to make a claim about it, they will consider it in terms of the damage that's been done as well. So these are minimum um, setting the guaranteed standards. Um, and as we've talked about before, where companies will go further, um, they will give consideration to where customers um, have had, as you've said, you know, their belongings damaged. They'll look at working with insurers to make it a very simple process. Um, and if there isn't insurance, then again, they will give some consideration as to is there additional support they can give people. So when you say insurance in this context, that would be like our my house insurance. home insurance, yes. Right, so you get this payment from the company and then you would claim on your house insurance for any other damage. Yes. But the water company would assist you in that yes. process. Yes, Okay. I think, I'm sure that will raise eyebrows in terms of people who aren't familiar with this, in terms of saying, well, the water company did this to me, why is it my insurance? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult with sewage flooding because the sewage network um, isn't completely sealed, so there are other things that can go into the network that can cause some of the blockages that can then cause some of the flooding. Um, So, you know, when we talk about some of the surprising things that you find in um, the rivers are feeding into sewers or even some of the things that the water companies have found in um, their own sewage networks you know we're looking at inflatable toys we've got zimmer frames there's all sorts of things they can all add to it so in some ways they are responsible for the treatment of it once it reaches it but there are other third parties that could affect um, how that flooding has been caused so if a water company's uh, pipe bursts so fresh water starts flooding everything you see these big gushers you see mm-hmm. them on the news and you see this happening this happened quite a lot in London where uh, you know, basically the water pipe bursts and it causes a flood and then it damages people's property what happens in those cases then? So in those cases, um, the water company would get their insurers in terms of looking at the damage that's been done. There'd be loss adjusters that's on site. Um, and they do do a really good job with this. You know, they arrive really promptly and, you know, make sure that they're supporting the customer through the damage that's been caused by their assets. So it's quite, so it's quite interesting, isn't it? So if it's sewage, sewer flooding, it's kind of your own insurance. But if it's a water pipe bursting, it's the water company's insurance. Quite different situations. It is, and I can see why it can get confusing. You know, it's an anomaly that was set up when the Water Act was set up. Um, So, you know, it is something where I can completely understand why people get confused, and actually, it's something that we want to question. So that's baked in on law, not water companies' discretion? No, that's baked in law. Wow. You know, there are some um, examples that we've had where the companies have actually sort of responded really well, haven't Mm. they, in, in major events. Um, and even ha- you know, to, to the extent of rehoming people yep. temporarily and things like that. Um, but I, I, I think um, you know, this is where companies can really excel and, and really show, and it, and it goes back to your point, Mike, about building positive relationships. 
you know, mm. when people are in such a desperate situation as in some of these circumstances, whether it's on the wastewater side or the water side, you know, the, the more they can do to support their customers through those awful experiences, the, the, the better the company will be viewed. Absolutely. And I think it demonstrates, you know, another way that companies can demonstrate that they've got the customer at the heart of their culture. We talked about, um, you know, uh, what the companies can do above and beyond the guaranteed standards scheme. Where, where, where could somebody go to find out about um, just what their companies offer by way of performance and, and compensation? Yeah, so those details will be on the company website and they'll be under their codes of practice um, if you search for that and also if you search for guaranteed standards as well. Um, there's information on Offbot's website in terms of what the minimum standards are but really as we've talked about the fact that many companies offer now higher than what is set as a guaranteed standards as a minimum um, check on the company website if you don't have access to the website call the company because they'll have a version that they can post to you as well. Oh that's, that sounds really good. So you know, there's been an incident or, you know, customers have cause to complain and they don't actually think the company has complied with the standards that they should do. What, what, what can somebody do about that? Um, well, the first thing that I would say is write to the company to complain because, as you know, if they don't then respond in 10 working days, then you'll get a payment for that of £20. So um, always think about, you know, where you can get the best service. But, you know, Tell the company that you've not got the right service from them. Complain about it. Um, if you're not happy with their response, then follow the complaint process. And ultimately, you can come to ourselves as well. And we can look to see if we can resolve it. And are, there, um, are, they, are these payments automatic? Or do you have to apply for them? They are automatic. That's good. That's, that's nice. That's in the customer's interest. Then. You don't have to go to any hassle to do that. And uh, and just can you just quickly run down in terms of operational stuff? You know, like I'm guessing you get payment if there's interruptions, right? What, yeah. Yeah. So so what, what sort of operational failures would you get a payment for? So interruptions to supply. Um, I'm really good at interruptions <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast. All the living time. <laughs> Karen, it's a good job you don't have to make any payments for that. <laughs> I'd be broke. I'd be broke if I had to pay her every time I interrupt her. Yeah, so, I mean, we've seen examples recently, um, as you know, that happened in the winter with the freeze thaw. Um, and interruption supply can happen. So if it does, um, the company's needs to give you, um, if it's an emergency, then if it's not restored um, within 48 hours, then companies need to pay you £20 for the initial period and then £10 for every 24 hours after that. Um, so this could roll on and on and on if something dragged on. Yeah, I mean, we've seen in the past that some incidents can last for seven days. Wow, um, it's a lot of money then. It yeah, is. It's a long time to be off the mm. isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's terrible. And I think, you know, when we saw some of the loss of supply events that happened in summer with the drought of 2022, um, then again, the impact of people not having that water was, you know, really quite severe in that heat wave as well. So, you know, I think whilst it's good that people know their rights, it's by no means um, replacing the fact that we absolutely recognise that, you know, it's not a good place to be if you get any failings of these services that the companies have promised. Um, and the interruptions to supply is probably one of the most um, effective ones because, you know, it is essential that we have a safe and reliable supply of water. 
Absolutely, and, and as we've said, you know, numerous times, uh, you know, while we've been having these conversations with our guests around all kinds of issues to do with water, you know, we, we don't tend to sort of think about how fundamental water and wastewater services are to our everyday lives. Mm. Oh, yeah, well, you only really appreciate it when it's not there. Yeah. So uh, we'll put a, you've, I know you've sort of told us where to go uh, in terms of like, you know, Companies, code of practices, and all that sounds very dull. Um, but um, we'll put the links to 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 the, the the names of the documents and the links in the show notes, so people can find out. There's a there is a, a, a GSS guide, mm-hmm. so it's a guide to these standards that uh, is produced by the industry regulator. So we can put a link directly to that document. So if someone's super interested and you know yeah. wants to brush up on their on their rights, which uh, you know, if you want to pass the time that way, so be it. Um, yeah, and I think our website's got, you know, a much more user-friendly approach to it that rather than have it as separate documents, we have it there relatable so that it talks about, you know, if you've suffered a loss of supply or if you've had sewer flooding or if you need to make a complaint. So actually it breaks it down as to what your rights are for each individual scenario where the basic levels of service haven't been met. So, you know, do put the link for our website and, uh, you know, for anybody listening, please visit it because it tells you more about and um, what you are due um, and what your rights are. So is that your recommendation? Your first port of call should be our fact sheets that are yes. available on our website. Yes. Brilliant. I heard they're very well written, these fact sheets. Whoever could have done that? Was it you, Janine? <laughs> Janine is such... She is. She is, she is wonderful, isn't she? Um, Janine, I'm sure we've missed some very important points on knowing our rights. So what have we missed? What have we failed to ask you about? Don't... Give me that silence. <laughs> you know what we failed to ask you? We've failed to ask you about your personal water use. <laughs> you have, I can't believe that you have, were on water for a few weeks ago and we didn't ask you what your personal water use is. So don't think you're getting off the hook. So, can you hit us with the details? Uh, my water use is 122 litres per day. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's below the well below the national average, not quite at the the target of you know, 110, and some people have got the more challenging target of 100. So uh, a bit big to go on. Have you got any? Uh, have you got any tips then? Um, I do have tips. I also have a confession. I don't know oh. if this will be the first confession on your podcast, oh, but it could be. <laughs> I think it might be. <laughs> so um, yeah, you know, I absolutely um, limit the amount of time that I spend in the shower. Um, the shower song was a great concept and it's something that we use. Um, I made a point of talking to all my friends about it um, when they were talking about their teenage children and how long they can actually manage to spend in a shower, which is quite amazing. Um, and when we talked about the impact um, and then started to talk about the cost, then it really started to get the message um, and they asked me to speak to their teenagers to talk to them about it. This prompted my husband to to, if we're talking confessions, make a confession to me. So after nearly 30 years of marriage, he said, I have something to tell you. And I thought, oh is my about, goodness. Is this about weeing in the shower? This is not about weeing oh. in the shower. I didn't have to have those kind of conversations. He said, I've been leaving the tap on whilst I have a shave. Really? Really. So the toothbrush, absolutely covered, but the shave was a guilty secret. <laughs> But then it brings it to my confession. So like I said, I'm 
use a lot of um, recycling the water that I use for cooking, for example, on the plants and things. But um, in order to have some cost savings and have a staycation one year, I bought a hot tub and I fill my hot tub up once a year. You just do it once? Once a year and I use the tablets to treat it. Very good. You can get start getting into my ideas about a hot tub tax. <laughs> Special tariff for people who have hot tubs. But filling out once a year, you know, that's... Uh, what, do you know how many litres it is? It's 800 litres. Okay. So, the couple of eight baths. <laughs> Mike has just slid down his chair. <laughs> it's much less than some of the paddling pools that you see out there that are actual swimming pools. Well... Yes, 3,000 litre paddling pools I've come across, which yeah. is truly, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's, just, it's, it's like a swimming pool. Yeah, I mean, we don't actually fill it up to the recommended limits because when you sat in it, you just get the water going over the side, so you might as well just do it halfway. So there's a water saving. But the fact that you've got, you know, a below average um, yeah. uh, use of water in, in your household suggests that all the other things that you're doing to conserve water are kind of offsetting it, aren't they? Yeah, and then because you get the test kits that come with it, obviously you know at the end of it when you're not treating the water anymore, you can get the pH balance and actually use that water for your garden as well. So, um, you know, it has been used, but that said, you know, people will sometimes say around, it's all about saving water, but I think it is around that whole package of it as well. Um, Do you drain it then in the wintertime or is it... Oh, we only, to be honest with the energy bills, it's not on for all year. Um, we only have it on for when it's summer. Um, and obviously for a couple of weeks normally where it's heated and then just use it for that. I feel like we could do a whole episode on Janine's hot tub. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> well, perhaps we feel this one coming on. It's more of a summer episode. I know, I know. What is it about this that your guest comes on and makes <laughs> confessions? You'll have to have a confession hour at the end of it. <laughs> Well, you know, we're always looking for new developments and directions to take the show. <laughs> so, two, two confessions in one on this one. Yeah. Well, brilliant, Janine. Thank you so much. Uh, lovely to see you again on, on Waterfall. And I uh, hope to see you soon. We will let you know where you sit in the Series 2 league table. And uh, I mean, I know, I know you're desperate to know your, your, your position. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Enjoying the show? Please consider leaving a five-star rating on iTunes and Spotify. So that was Janine there. She is so super. I liked her song as well. Maybe we should have a song on every one of our podcasts. <laughs> um, well, it's the first of our guests to have given us a musical interlude anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's right. Um, but, but, but yeah, reflections on what Janine was saying. Once again, for me, um, you know, it's about um, when you feel that you're not getting the service that you would expect to let the company know, because I think, you know, companies want feedback from their customers. It's the only way that they can really ever hope to improve the service delivery. So, um, you know, the more people that um, are prepared to make the effort to let them know when things aren't quite right, you know, it's really, it's, you know, it's worth the effort. Yeah, you're essentially saying don't suffer in silence, which yeah. is really good advice. I mean, the other thing that struck me is that obviously when we're talking about um, a list of basically regulations that set out your <laughs> rights, so that isn't exactly the most exciting topic. But I think the key thing, the key takeaway is 
knowing that you do have rights and knowing where to find them. So that actually, if you do have issues, you know where to check and say, hold on, what I'm receiving isn't shaping up to what I, what I should be getting. And knowing actually that there is there is a system in place that means actually you will get some money back if, you be, if you're being let down on certain elements of service. So, so to me, that's, that's really important. Yeah, and it sounds as though, you know, the way that we've got it on our website um, is, is a lot easier read than, than it will be if you go to the regulators. <laughs> yes, yes, probably not. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a pretty safe bet that our website is going to be much more useful, much more accessible, easier to read and a nicer colour palette, obviously. <laughs> so we're running out of time uh, on this episode of Waterfall. Um, don't forget, you can get in touch, uh, give us your feedback, any questions, any comments, suggestions for future episodes. We have an email address. <laughs> it's podcast at ccwater.org.uk. After all that intensive training, you're now getting very good at this. <laughs> and don't forget, you can uh, check us out on our Instagram feed as well. You can see what Janine looks like. How exciting. But that's it. We're out of time. So thank you so much for listening. It's goodbye from me, Mike. And it's goodbye from me, Karen.